Welcome. Thanks for joining us today on the Venture Podcast. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you along your journey. Hey, I want to welcome you to week three of Breakthrough. And uh, I just, all of you who are here and those who are watching online, um, I, I want to encourage you and those who are watching up in classic service as well, all of you, I want to encourage you, you know, when we started this journey together, there were several things we asked everyone to do. And uh, one of them was we asked you to be here each week. Each message is so important because it's not just about, oh, a campaign or just giving. It really is the whole breakthrough journey of the vision of what we want God to do in our hearts and how he moves in ways. And so I, I encourage you, thank you for being here. Thank you for journeying. If you miss a week, I'd encourage you watch it online because each of them really build together with that. The second thing I wanna encourage you, hopefully you are working through your breakthrough guide. Um, I, I'd encourage you to bring it each week. Sometimes there's places to take notes and then you have it there for your life group and other time with it. If you are not, I'm telling you, you're missing out. Uh, especially, and I'm going to just say it this week, with week three, there's some exercises in here that I think are fundamental, whether you're a part of venture or not, whether you're visiting for this week, the exercises that are in this guide will be good for your heart. They'll be good for your life. And so I'd encourage you, and I'm asking everybody who's part of the venture family, beyond encouraging, I'm exhorting. We need to be engaging in this together, allowing God's word to speak in our life and to work through it. And as we look at it, you know, last week, I, I hit two key things on breakthrough. And if you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you to listen to that message. I think it may be the most important message in this series because it's on that missional mindset. In fact, last week we looked at the words of the apostle Paul. And we really spent our time in this verse of how do I have a breakthrough mindset? How do I see life in a way, like Paul said, where he says, I've become all things to all people by the, so that by all means, I might save some. Those three alls, all things, all people, all means to save some. How do I live in a way that I'm on mission all the time? And, and he says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. He says, I, I've been given this wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ. It's changed my life. It's changed my eternity. It's changed everything. He goes, I cannot fathom anything more important than sharing that with other people who need to experience the blessing of it too. And so that, that breakthrough missional mindset is so fundamental. It's so important for all of us. And, and I, I say that guys, because we need to recognize God never needed us to accomplish his mission. You think about it, the God who was able to accomplish our salvation didn't need us to actually spread it across the planet, but he chose us. It's the way he wanted to do it. He could have written it across the sky. He could drop it down from heaven. He could do it any number of ways, but you know what he said? He said, I want it to be the fundamental mission of my church. And I think a big part of that is he didn't want us to miss out on what life's all about and the joy of living on mission. 
You know, I confessed to you guys last week, it's easy for me to get into a get through mentality instead of a breakthrough mentality where I am focused on getting through life and getting through my day and getting through the activities I have and getting through paying the bills and all the other things that I have with it. And I can miss out in those moments when I stay head down on a get through focus. I can miss out on the very reason why I'm on this planet to be on mission with God and to be a part of sharing that. See, I'm excited about this campaign because I think it forces us as a church. I mean, if we're about to do this level of investment in outreach, it forces us to live on mission. It forces us to, to be involved in this process of what he's called us to do. We can get a get through mentality as a church, kind of get through another week, get through another service, get through our things. And we want to go down. We don't want to be get through. We want to be breakthrough. We want to see our neighbors. We want to see our friends. We want to go on mission together. And that bridge that we're building between the culture and the church is a two-way bridge. And so some of the things that excite me the most when we dream about the future, it's not the stuff we're building. It's the stuff that you and I'll get to be doing living life on mission. But guys, that takes a breakthrough mindset. No one can force that and any of us can lose it. And so we, we want to keep it at the forefront. We looked at it last week. It takes breakthrough power. Paul said in it, pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion, stay alert, be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere and pray for me too. And his prayer here is pray for boldness. Pray that I would have boldness. Pray that we would have boldness. And he's saying this at the end of Ephesians 6 where he just talked about spiritual warfare. He just talked about the enemy. He talked about the evil one. And if, if there was ever a time in the world <laughs> that we are aware of the activity of the evil one, surely it's now. Because you see his fingerprints everywhere. And Paul says, pray. I think that's part of the reason I'm fired up this weekend. Coming off a 24 hour prayer time in our church. We had over 550 of you that signed up and took one of those times. Yeah, isn't that awesome? I mean, and, and then I, I don't know how many of you, maybe you jumped in, you didn't sign on with it, but we covered, we bathed not just this campaign, we bathed our area, we pray, bathed this church, we prayed for your prayer requests. We're praying as a church, and I think God res responds to those times when we go, man, we're gonna set this aside because we believe that you move in prayer. And if you wanna experience breakthrough in your life, hear me, you have to pray. If we want to experience breakthrough in a way that many people, this harvest all around us is coming to Christ, we have to pray. If Paul needed prayer, how much more so do we? As we look at each of these things, it takes breakthrough mindset. It takes breakthrough power that comes through prayer. And today we're going to talk about a subject. You may be saying, Tim, what happened to your table and what's up with all the furniture? We're going to have some fun today. Well, I'm going to have some fun today. As we go through the process, we're going to talk about breakthrough sacrifice. Breakthrough sacrifice. And I would encourage you, because anytime you want to see a movement of God, it takes the sacrifice of the people of God. All throughout history. 
over and over again. And it doesn't matter if it's building a church or an orphanage or a hospital or putting in wells or that. Anytime when God's people are moved by his spirit to do something, to do breakthrough, to reach out, to missionally reach out, to expand, to reach and build for the kingdom, it takes sacrifice. It takes personal sacrifice. And, and sacrifice is one of those subjects I think we love to kind of talk about and sing about, but when you get it down to a granular level, ooh, it gets harder. And I admit that. And, and maybe you're here today and you go, Tim, you know, I am visiting venture. <laughs> this will be my one week here. This is a great message for you. Because whether it's a part of what God's doing in our church or what he's got in your future, I promise you this, he's going to bring you to a crossroads where he asks you to sacrifice for him. Now, I don't know what he's gonna move your heart to do in that. He may have something else for you. We're excited here as a church. We're praying that God would move our hearts collectively together, but I promise you this, this is a message. I'm not gonna ask you to make a commitment in it. This is a message about God doing the work in our heart that we can just be honest about what he's given us and what he's calling us to do with it and to process that together. Because in the same way that God doesn't need us to do his mission, he also doesn't need your resources, by the way. He's not a resource poor God. This is in the Bible, he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He created everything, he owns everything. And even in this campaign, if God wanted to design it in a way that we started digging in the hillside out there and we discovered a gold mine, he could put all the gold we need out there tonight. <laughs> well, <laughs> now see, that's where my heart immediately goes. I'll tell you as I look through history, that's not how he chooses to work. Because if he did that, we miss out on what he wants to do in our lives. Guys, everybody here, if you say, who do you want to be like? We all say, oh, I want to be like Jesus. You know what was at the core of Jesus' life? Sacrifice. And God, whether it's in this campaign or in the future, hear me, this is be a message you need to take with you for, for the rest of your life because he's gonna bring you to places where he goes, hey, are you sacrificing for what I'm doing? Are, are you willing to live like Jesus in these areas of your life? Not just in the songs we sing or the different things we do, but in real areas of our life. And, and in it, and I'm talking about specifically, I'm not talking about your general giving. I, I did a series on general giving. I hope you go back through that. There's general giving that we need to do. We've, we've called everybody adventure. You need to be a generous person in it. There's these movements of God that you see where he just moves in hearts and he says, hey, I want you to give over and above what you normally do. And if you look through scripture in it, there's a few times that you see this. Uh, one time, if you go back to the tabernacle, when, when God took the children of Israel out of Egypt and he brought them, and while they, right after they had come out of Egypt, one of the first things he did, he gave them the law, and then he gave them instructions for building a tabernacle. It was a tent. It was a portable temple, if you will. It was going to be that place where God met his people. It was so important. And so he gave very exact instructions on how it was to be built. And it was really nice. Like really, really nice. 
It, it was gonna take the best out of it. And so God said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel that they take for me a contribution from every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive a contribution for me. Now this is interesting because I want to point out, he gives instructions for how they were supposed to tithe. They had specific ways they were supposed to give. They had to give a tithe to the poor. That's every three years they had to give a temple tithe. That was every year 10%. They had to give a, another tithe that went and supported the festivals. They had specific ways they were supposed to give. He commanded those. He doesn't ask for those. He says, these are my commands. And I'm not saying we live under the same system. I'm just pointing out that God gives some commanding on giving. This he's saying, hey, I want you to just go to the people and those whose heart moves them. I want them to contribute. There's something he's doing over and above. If you look, so Moses said to the congregation of the people of Israel, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. So he's going to take this contribution for the tabernacle. Look at the next line. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution, gold, silver, bronze. If you keep reading, he talks about fabrics and fine linens and the other parts with it. And so Moses goes to him. Now notice again, he said, hey, search your heart. See what God's doing in your heart with it. So you look at the next verse. So the whole community of Israel left Moses and they returned to their tents. They didn't do it right there. They go back and they spend some time in their tents. They spend some time talking as couples, spend some time praying and evaluating. All whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved came and brought their sacred offerings to God. So, so those, they went back to the tent, they're praying together as they looked at it, as God moved in their hearts and their spirits were stirred. You feel this excitement in it. They came and I love, he says, they brought it, it was a sacred offering. Now, this is as sacred as anything we do. They brought the materials needed for the tabernacle, for the performance of its rituals, for the sacred garments. Both men and women came, all whose hearts were willing. Notice he keeps emphasizing, this is a heart thing. They brought to the Lord their offerings of gold, brooches, earrings, rings from their fingers, necklaces. They presented gold objects of every kind as a special offering to the Lord. I mean, you look at the jewelry and the robes and the different parts. Now, you've got to ask yourself, where did they get the things that they offered? Now, just to give you a little bit of history, they just were slaves pretty recently. They were slaves in Egypt. And when you're a slave, you don't own any of that stuff. Now, if you remember the story of their exodus, their redemption out of the land, God brought the 10 plagues. And after the last plague, after the spirit came in Passover and the Egyptians so wanted them out, it says in that they not only sent them out, they said, here, take, take, take jewelry, take stuff, take this, just get out. And they gave them all this. Now here's the part that hits me because I've read through the story a lot of times with it. But these people have just come into wealth for the first time in their lives. They've been slaves their whole lives. They're going into the land. This, this jewelry, all this stuff they have, this is their nest egg to start life in the land. This is their, their one opportunity to cash in. You're not gonna get that again. You don't get another exodus. 
And, and so when they came and they start evaluating and they start making these kind of gifts, I, I'm gonna tell you I'm humbled by their sacrifice. Because when you didn't have it your whole life and you finally get it, and you have so much security wrapped up in it, to trust God in that way, now that's pretty radical level of sacrifice, honestly. So the people of Israel, every man and woman who was eager to help in the work of the Lord had given them through Moses, brought their gifts and gave them freely to the Lord. Again, notice over and over again, it's God had moved in their heart. There was an eagerness about it. It's not a commandment, it's not a tithe, not a thing you have to do. It's this movement that God's moving in their heart. They're eager to do it. In fact, in the next chapter, you know what it says? The workers come to Moses and they go, we actually have too much stuff. Can you tell the people to stop giving? Can you imagine that? I mean, there's such a movement. We want to be a part of this that they eagerly gave. Fast forward a few hundred years, they're in the land, they have a king. And David, whose heart was after God, wanted nothing more than to build a temple. The tabernacle served its time, but we need something permanent. And so he's been dreaming of it, he's been saving for it, he's passionately wanting to do it. And then God comes to him and says, hey David, you're a man of war. You, you've conquered so many armies, you've fought so many battles. There's, there's blood on your hands. And God has deemed you're not the man to build his temple. Imagine how disappointing that would be. I mean, something that he's drinking, this was the crown jewel. This was it. This is what he had saved for. But God told him, you're not going to do it. Your son will do it. Solomon will do it. Now, at that point, does David go, well, fine. I'm going to take my toys and go home. Now, look what it says. He calls all the people together. And then David tells them all. He says, because of my devotion to the temple of God, because I'm so passionate about this, I am giving all of my own private treasures of gold and silver to help the construction. This isn't the government treasury. This is David's. He says, in addition to the building materials I've already collected for his holy temple, I'm donating more than 112 tons of gold from Ophir and 262 tons of refined silver to be used for overlaying the walls of the building and for the other gold and for silver work to be done by the craftsmen. I mean, he looks at it and I've, I, I, I've read so many different articles, people trying to estimate how much money David actually gave in today's term. From best I can tell, it's at least 300 million. Some think it's well over a billion that he, that he gave to it. Now, if you're like me, you go, okay, if I was sitting on that much gold, I might too. But the radical nature of the sacrifice, David looks at him and he says, now who will follow my example and give offerings to the Lord today? Again, this is a free will offering. It's not a commandment. Who will follow example with it? The family leaders, the leaders of the tribes, the generals, the captains, the king's administrative officers all gave willingly for the construction of the temple of God. They gave about 188 tons of gold. That's on top of David's 112 tons. This thing's unbelievable. It became one of the seven wonders of the world. Solomon was known 
the world over. God was glorified the world over in this construction of it. 375 tons of silver, 675 tons of bronze and iron. They contributed numerous precious stones which were deposited in the treasury of the house of the Lord under the care of Jehiel, descendant of Gershon. The people rejoiced over the offerings for they had free, given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord and King David was filled with joy. That, that's the part with, with it that I just go, God, you're gonna have to move in my heart because sometimes I can give, but do I rejoice in that way? Man, come across something that God's doing. You ever feel like, oh, okay, begrudgingly I need to give it. Oh, I probably should do that. As opposed to, oh man, I'm excited about what God's doing. Now, again, let, let me remind you, these people were not slaves, but they lived in an agrarian economy. So when you give these kind of gifts, the gold and silver and the stones, you, you don't have another stock offering the next year. There, there's not something right around the corner of the market's gonna, they were farmers for the most part. And, and so you give this, these are long-term assets that they're trusting God, they're excited about being a part of. That's the part that convicts me when I read these stories. Is I just look at their hearts in it. Give you one more example. The early church, Acts 4. We all loved what God was doing in the early church. There wasn't a needy person. They're sharing with each other. For as many were owners of land or houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. The church is just forming. And as they're coming together, a lot of people were slaves. They didn't have much resources as they were coming out. They're, they're trying to figure out houses of meeting, everything they're doing, they're taking care of widows and all that. And, and people, and the part again that stood out to me is, if you study Jerusalem in that time, land's not for sale much. If you have a land or a house, you hold on to it for generations because you're probably not gonna get more out of it. And, and as they look at that, God's moving these people's hearts and they go, no, no, no. They sell it and they lay the proceeds at the apostles' feet. It's distributed to any had need. Joseph, who was called by the apostle Barnabas, which means sons of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And I think part of it, what Joseph, who became Barnabas, the great leader in the church, the great encourager, went on the missionary journeys with Paul. I think God's moving in his heart in a way, it's almost kind of a burn the ships moment that he goes, you know what? I'm not gonna hold on to this because God's sending me out. And he sold it and he laid it at the apostles' feet. Again, each of these scenarios are different. I'd, here's what I'd encourage you. Don't just look there, just look through church history. Look through the last 2000 years. Look at the different ways that the church and people of God have mobilized in these radical acts of sacrifice. Look at the orphanages that have been started by Christians and the people of God, because that whole movement came from Christians, by the way. Look at the hospitals that were launched by Christians, which was launched, the whole hospital movement that you know it, it was radical sacrifice to of schools, of churches, of missionaries. And, and, and it's one of the things I, I like teaching this at a church like Venture, because <laughs> it's part of our history. You sitting out there, God has led your heart and you've sponsored students and you've helped build schools around the planet and you've been a part of trips, you've been part of radical things. 
This is the heart of our church. And whether you're part of venture or not, whether you're part of this campaign or not, I promise you this, there'll be seasons of your life where God will keep bringing you to this place and he's doing something new. He's gonna give something on your heart that you're passionate about. And to engage in that way will involve sacrifice. And in those moments, you have to evaluate and you go, okay, what am I doing with the resources of my life? You know, there's a, an exercise in here that I really want everybody to go through over the last couple of weeks. We called it the table. And I, I brought this table. Lee and I bought this table when we were in seminary in Dallas. We bought an old antique store. It's a, you know, a pub table that we found. We've, like, we've had it for years. It's in the garage right now, but we've had it. And we hold on to it with it. And so I brought my table. And then I brought... Tim's treasure chest. Now I wish I owned all the things that are represented in here, but I brought a representation as we think about our lives and you think about the table. And what does it mean in an actual way to evaluate what God's given me, maybe he's given you. And here's all I'm asking at this point. Are we willing to put it on the table before God? You say, what, what do you mean? Well, well, let's dig in. All right, I, I told you it's an actual treasure chest. Let's see, what do we got here? Well, let's start out simple. How about uh, the daily Pete's run? Or Starbucks, or Blue Bottle, or whatever your, you know, your level goes up, fills, whatever it is there. Man, am, am I willing to go, hmm, what would it look like to go without that? And you non-coffee drinkers, you're scoffing at us right now. Maybe it's a smoothie. You're the smoothie queen. Ooh. What if you gave up the smoothie and you put it on the table? What about streaming services? You go, oh, well, Tim, streaming services are much more affordable with it. Maybe, but do we need all of them? Do I really need Prime and Netflix and Disney Plus? Oh, and Max, and, and right now you're going, yeah, but I watch this show and this one, this one, this one. And, and I'm, not, I'm not making the decision for you. I'm just saying, would you put it on the table before God? Would you just let it sit there? You know, Bob, Bob Russell talks about a woman named Jackie, single mom in his church, and they were doing a, a campaign. God had moved in it. And she got her three sons together and they started praying about what they could do. And... Uh, she said, as we prayed, we, we went through the budget again as, as kids, the kids with her. I thought, thought, what a healthy exercise. And she came to the end of it and her ex-husband didn't give her any support. And she was disheartened because she said, guys, we're barely able to tithe. I, I don't know that we can do anything over and above that. And her oldest son said, you know, mom, we don't have to have cable. What if we gave that? I tell you, I love the stories of David and his billions, but those are the ones that move me. Because somebody just goes, yeah, what's it look like to sacrifice? What if you went in your closet? (laughs) Oh, the women are all like, oh, now you're getting mean. 
Maybe you don't need your stitch fix or whatever it is or the next wardrobe season out of that. All right, if I'm gonna be equal opportunity, let's pull out the golf club. Yeah, yeah, oh man, they're, they're in it now. And, and you look at it, you know, some of you go, Tim, I've seen your golf, you should give away that club. So uh, maybe it's a country club or season tickets. Maybe you look at it and go, do I really need the world's greatest wood shop when I've made one table over the last three years? What about a vacation? You go, oh, we've been saving for that vacation. Now, I'm not telling you not to take it, but will you put it on the table? Or if we really want to get personal, what about the toys? Maybe the, uh, the Harley? I wish I owned a Harley other than this Harley, but uh, <laughs> the Harley that you have or the boat? We have toy chests. They're just usually the size of our garage. Really personal. Could you put the car out there? Actually, if we're going to dream about cars we're putting out there, let's put the Lambo out there, all right? Get the doors and the Lambo, and you put it. And then right now you're going, oh, if I had a Lambo, certainly I would sacrifice it. <laughs> what about the Tesla? Oh, it got still. <laughs> I mean, don't take away my Tesla. It's the Silicon Valley merit badge that proves I've made it. And I know some of you are like, no, Tim, it's very economical. I do it for the economy. Maybe so. You go, what's that? This is a tile for a backsplash. That kitchen renovation or bathroom. And some of you go, oh, Tim. I remember I was part of a campaign, previous church, huge campaign, much bigger than this one. And I was amazed at the ways different people stepped forward in it. And there's a friend of ours, Sarah. And I remember when people were making commitment, it was with tears in her eyes. Um, she and Mike had been saving for several years and she was on the edge of finally getting her kitchen. And as they prayed about it, she felt like God said, Sarah, hold off on the kitchen. And as she said it, she's like, I argued with God. This wasn't a one-time conversation. She kept going back to him, surely something else. Surely you have something else in mind. And in her case, that was her sacrifice. What if we uh, really put it out there and said the dream house? You go, Tim, my dream house is not purple and pink. This is not a bad one. It's got all the amenities. Or the beach house. Now, again, before you get all tight on it, I'm just asking you, will you put it on the table? This is just between you and God. As you, you look at it, maybe we get really serious. Whew, we'll get some serious cash. It's not as much as it looks. We had a garage sale, so... 
but you get the wad of cash. Or if you want to get some serious assets, you get your gold. And you go, is that really gold? Yes. It says it right on top of the box. And I got it at Walmart yesterday. So I'm sure it's a very reliable source of gold. Or maybe on the top of your box, it doesn't say gold. It says stock options or something else God's given. What about this one? It says retirement on it. Oh. You look in it. You go, oh man. Mine doesn't have enough, so I'm gonna put some gold in it. <laughs> See if we can increase that. Now I, I know as I, I say that you go. Tim, we have to have retirement. Of course you do. God wants you to plan. But it's interesting. Sometimes we plan for a retirement where God's not going to be there. And so we have to plan in a way this is our only security. And how do we trust him with it? Again, you have to spend that time with God. You know, Lee and I were, were part of a previous, again, another campaign, another church. And uh, we prayed together and we felt like God had given us this amount he was calling us to give. And we kept looking over everything. We looked at the budget. We looked at the different parts. And uh, we had, you know, a bunch of kids and everything. We didn't, didn't know how we would do it. And finally, the only thing we could come to is we'll cut back for this season of what we're contributing to retirement. Now, every retirement planner out there would look at you and go, phew. Don't do that if you can. And I, I would say the same. But we felt like God had called us to that. And as we did it, it here, here's the funny part. Right when we finished our last part, it was a three-year campaign. We had just finished doing the last part and contributing to our, the amount that we believe God had called us to. And then God called us to move to California. <laughs> we're not even in the, the church building that we were helping to build. And you may look at it and go, oh boy, I bet you regret that. And here's the funny thing. I regret some things I've done with money. That's not one of them. In fact, it's one of the things that makes me the happiest. Because every time I, I go to that city and I drive by that building, I always know the ministry that's happened there. And I look at it and I go, that's going to outlive me. Thank you, God that I got to be a part of that. In fact, I, I, I'll just tell you, when I come in Venture Campus, that's what I always think. Is there's a previous generation who sacrificed so I could be here, so that we could have ministry here. In fact, Bert Dollahite was telling me that when they dedicated this room, before the carpet went down, before anything was painted, they had a prayer meeting in this room and they gave out markers and all across the floor, they had people write prayer requests and Bible verses and things they wanted to see happen in the years to come. You realize we're the answer to some of those prayers. But it took somebody stepping out and going, I'm willing to look at what I have and put it on the table. Here, here's what I'd encourage you. In your guide, there, there's an opportunity for you to do this. Just put it on the table. Is there anything that you would go, I can't even put it out there. And then after you put it on the table, here's what you do. You don't give it all away. 
Unless God's told you to, but I, I doubt he's called anybody here to a vow of poverty. I really do. Here's what will happen as you go through this process. You start praying about things and, and God says, well, yeah, I gave you that as a good gift. Enjoy your house. Live in it. He might even go, hey, dress up. I really like that. Take that vacation. It was needed for your family. That's why you saved that money. You as a family need that. And as a father, I'm so glad you're going to get that time together. Go take that. Now you might evaluate, do I have to go to Cabo every year? Maybe we go to Pismo one year instead of Cabo. But you take it. And yes, read through scripture. He says, be a good planner. Now, plan like he's actually going to be there. So maybe I don't need everything I thought was going to go in it. But I put this back because God's given me this. And he wants you to have it. Here's the great news when you go through an exercise like this. When you actually put it back, you stop feeling guilty about it all the time. Because you were actually willing to put it on the table before him. And you know it was a good gift from him. There may be other things as you do that, that he tells you, why don't you pause for a little while? Maybe you don't need it in this season. In fact, what I like about this table is you can pull it out. It's got these wings. So we'll do this as our pause wing over here. And there might be items that you go, you know, maybe for the next couple of years, you don't need pizza every day. Maybe the car doesn't have to quite be that. And so you pause on that or you wait on it. Maybe you get rid of that subscription or the country club membership or whatever it is for you. You just hold off. And then there's other things. He's going to tell you to give them away. And then when he tells you, you know what I would do? Just give it. Don't fight it. Give it. I've been there before. There's too many times I like fight it. When I really know it's him and I really know he's speaking in it, I just trust him with it now because it's not worth the fight. Even if it's a Lambo. If you have a Lambo and he's telling you to give it away, could I drive it once first? That's the only thing I would ask in this process. Could, could you do that? And then you're gonna finish this process and you'll have some things left on the table and you go, Okay, I, I, I don't know yet what God's telling me to do. Just keep praying. Part of the process is he just wants us to get closer to him. And so sometimes you have to spend a lot of time because he likes hanging out with you and talking to you about things that really matter. I, I would challenge you. You're gonna come to this juncture several times in your life where God calls you to step out in some pretty radical ways. He's calling us to step out radically as a church. This is a process that will actually free you because the things that you have that he's given you, you go, oh man, thank you for the gift. The things he calls you to give, he actually moves in your heart that you could do it in a way you didn't think possible. And the things you don't know about, it just means you hang out with him longer. You keep talking to him about it. In fact, I want to close out with the prayer of David. And I would encourage you to make this your prayer. In fact, there's a place in the guide 
where we've written out this prayer of David and you can kind of write it out in your own words. It's again, good verses just to process through together. Look what he said. This is after he's given the gift, after the people gave the gift. He said, David, praise the Lord. He said, oh Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, oh Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, the majesty. Notice he says, it's all about you. It's not about us. It's not about our gifts. He says, everything in the heaven and on earth is yours, O Lord. This is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. I love the way he puts this. Notice what he said, it was all yours. It was all yours to begin with. Guys, if we don't embrace that, every time you come to this process, every time you come and you lay something before Jesus, you'll always have an attitude of, what is God asking me to do with my stuff? When the reality is, it was always his. And all we're doing is, God, could you lead me in your discretion? He says in the next part, oh God, we give thanks and praise to your glorious name. Who am I? Who are my people that we could give you anything? Everything we have comes from you. We give you only what you gave us first. We're here only for a moment, visitors and strangers in the land as ancestors before us. Our days on our earth are like passing shadow, gone so soon without a trace. Notice he says, first of all, you got to have a mindset. Everything was God's. And here's the other part. Guys, we're not here long. We're here for such a short time. And part of the key thing we do here and part of what he's going to ask you and me one day is what did you do with what I gave you? And what I gave you to enjoy Did you really enjoy it instead of feeling guilty all the time? Because I gave it to you. What I gave you to give, could you trust me to give? What I gave you to sacrifice, did you believe that I would take care of you? Oh Lord, our God, even this material we have gathered to build the temple to honor your holy name comes from you. It all belongs to you. I know my God that you examine hearts and rejoice when you find integrity there. You know I have done this with good motives and I've watched your people offer their gifts willingly and joyously. Guys, this is my prayer in the campaign. That God would not only move us, but it really would come from the heart. I I, I don't want to force someone, oh, you got to give begrudgingly. In fact, that's the whole campaign. We've just said, hey, we're going on a faith journey. But I am praying that God would actually change my heart to match this more. That I wouldn't just give gifts, but I would be joyous in it as well. David was a man after God's own heart. It's because he had prayers like this. May it be true of us as well. You pray with me. Father, we come and we just lift up just our lives. Anytime we talk about stuff at this level, the stuff that we own, the stuff that you've given, um, it's hard. Everything in me wants to hold on 
And I, I pray, would you teach me how to trust you and to let go? Lord, I pray that I'd have faith that you'll take care of me no matter what. Faith that as you've blessed in the past, you'll continue to bless in the future. Lord, I pray for us as a church. Um, we, we live in a country, we live in a time that we, we struggle with so many things and I feel like so much of this goes to the core of it. Would you move in us that we could be like David, that we'd be men and women with a heart like you? that we would listen to you and just follow you. Lord, I, I even pray in the process, as we wrestle with you, would you help us draw closer to you in the process? Lord, we thank you and we praise you. And we pray this in Christ's name, amen. We hope today's message encouraged you in your journey of faith. To keep up with the latest messages and what's happening, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit venture.cc.